Chapter Six of the Story of a Modern Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Story of a Modern Woman by Ella Hepworth Dixon. Chapter Six the central london school of art the central london school of art though backed by all the majesty of state support was at the first blush a somewhat disillusionizing place for the youthful aspirant for fame to the over nice to be sure it lacked an art atmosphere except such a material one as is generated by ancient paint tubes oily rags furtively munched sandwiches and the presence of a preponderance of people to whom the daily tub is possibly not of vital importance outwardly the art school was only number fifty five in a dreary by-street near portland road a small thoroughfare of sinister aspect in which the houses seemed to be frowning at each other's dubious appearance the white blinds now grey with age and dirt seemed always drawn no one ever seemed to emerge from those faded bespattered front doors it was a dreary mysterious street of which when mary thought of it she invariably saw the two ends swallowed up in a blurred yellowish fog inside this temple of the fine arts consisted of one long room with a glass roof divided towards one end by a serge curtain of bronze green the walls were tinted a dingy olive colour throwing up the plaster laocoon the torso of the theseus the apollo belvedere with its slightly supercilious air the frowning moses of michelangelo and the simpering clytie with startling distinctness a small ecorches stood on a shelf and all around looking like the frozen remains of some monster operating theatre were eerie-looking arms legs feet and hands cut off above the wrist here too were the candidates for the royal academy all laboriously stippling their drawings of the laocon with twists of bread and stumps a process in which they had been engaged for some six months past while in the other division of the room was posed a child dressed like an italian contadina surrounded by easels on every side it was the afternoon on which the model sat painting from the life was carried on at the central london school of art on but two afternoons a week being looked upon as a kind of frivolous extra which should not be allowed to occupy the mind of the serious student to the detriment of the stippled laocoon it was a raw december day but inside the fumes of a charcoal stove made the students heads feel queer they were an odd-looking collection of people who were gathered there that winter afternoon in the falling light the young women were of the lower middle class daughters of retail shopkeepers who dressed in gowns of orange or green serge cut rather low about the throat and beautified by strings of amber or venetian glass beads while some on gala days had been known to appear adorned with iridescent beetles wings a trimming understood to be dear to the female artist the wide world over and though perhaps their hair left like their speech something to be desired on the whole the girls were less objectionable than the boy students whose linen was not irreproachable and who used to disappear in groups of five or six during the sitting to return to their places presently bringing with them a suspicious odour of bitter beer and inexpensive tobacco 
an english art school has none of the boisterous contagious hilarity of a french atelier decent silence reigned broken only by the hoarse repressed chuckles of a couple of boys as they exchanged a whispered witticism or the rare high-pitched but almost inaudible titter of a student with ringlets as she bent over her easel mary earl with her neat hair and her well-made black dress looked like a little princess as she sat with a slight frown and tight shut lips among the outer ring of easels she wore the same expression as of old in the summer-house in st john's wood where she sat alone notching and slicing at her wooden fleet and indeed the girl was as much alone now in this studio full of human beings as in the silence of the leafy garden vincent had gone on his travels and had been gone indeed for nearly six months and all that she had to remind her of that unexpected demonstration of affection in the harley street drawing-room was a crumpled letter with an indian postmark which she carried about in her pocket yes she was alone for had she spoken to the boys she was sure they would have tried to be jocose and she dreaded the confidences of the young ladies some of whom had preposterous flirtations carried on in neighbouring pastry-cooks shops or in the rooms of burlington house with the advanced male students indeed the only person she ever spoke to was an old student who had been through the academy schools and who came to the central london to work from the draped model his studio on haverstock hill being just now in the hands of workmen mr perry jackson was an undersized drab-faced young man of about thirty who gave the casual spectator the impression that he was a grown-up london gutter-boy but in truth he had no such dramatic beginnings his parents the well-to-do proprietors of a small upholsterer's shop in the hampstead road had given him a fair education and were now proud of having turned their only child into an artist and a gentleman to mary mr jackson was so frankly so completely himself representing such an unknown unguessed at type that he ended by amusing her perry jackson to be sure was already a rising man he had an extraordinary facility for drawing pretty faces his black and white work in illustrations was much admired at the railway stations while already he had one or two flashy pictures on the line at the royal academy how well mary remembered the day she had begun her laocoon for the next competition it would take with its infinitely minute stippling six months to complete i'd advise you to look sharp and begin miss earle mr jackson had said who though rather abashed by his neighbour's manners was inclined to be friendly that serpent'll take you every day for six weeks let alone the figure they're awfully down on a fellow i can tell you at the academy if the shading ain't quite up to the mark anybody can correct the drawing for you don't you see but you've got to do that blessed stippling yourself thanks i think i will begin at once right you are take this place miss earle there's a better light suggested mr jackson who was good nature itself let me fix your easel there you may use the plumb line as much as you like continued the young man his small pale eyes twinkling with vivacity and i'll correct your outline for you i ought to know something about it he added with sudden candour why i went up for the r a school three times myself there were two or three girls beside herself who were competing for the academy and several men one of whom was verging on fifty years of age 
and whose hair and unkempt beard were already turned grey a legend current in the school related that this person had been competing for the royal academy schools ever since he was eighteen years old there was miss simpkins a strapping young woman with a large vague face which somehow suggested a muffin and who carried a small edition of modern paintings about in a leather handbag together with a pocket comb a hand mirror some ham sandwiches and a selection of different kinds of chalk and who had many confidences to impart to a pale girl with red ringlets whom mary remembered as the daughter of a confectioner in st john's wood a girl who affected peacock blue velveteen and was understood to be intermittently in love with mr jackson on the december day in question the glass door opened and a small pale man wearing a frock coat and a narrow black necktie and having the appearance and manner of an attorney's head clerk stood bending over the first easel mr sanderson the headmaster was a person who rarely committed himself to a definite opinion and especially to an adverse one he wished above all things to be well with the students so that his usual criticism took the form of going on very nicely miss simpkins perhaps on the whole you might look to the movement of that head yes just so the arms now should you say they were just a little out of drawing and the right leg eh perhaps too it might be as well to reconsider the position of the torso coming on nicely miss simpkins and miss simpkins a lady whose devotion to the doctrines of mr ruskin was perhaps more remarkable than her artistic skill settled her amber necklace and continued to paint at the next easel was heard ah a very ambitious view of the model miss earle it might be perhaps as well to reconsider the position of the figure just as well on the whole for the artist not to hamper himself with unnecessary difficulties very good very good in quite a promising condition miss earle at the central london it will be seen everything worked smoothly the advent of the headmaster was the signal for general amenities every daub every ill-drawn head and every smeared smooth drapery received its meed of praise there were no tears such as water the upward path of the student in a parisian atelier there were no ambitions no heart-burnings no rivalries no one at the central london had ever been known to have a theory to express or if he had it remained locked in his own breast it had already begun to dawn upon mary that the whole thing was a foolish pretence at work slipping from her seat she dropped back to the easel on which still stood her drawing of the laocoon a drawing which was beginning to assume as it was destined to do the appearance of a dotted engraving she was standing somewhat desponding and disheartened before this thing which had cost her so much toil and on the success of which so much depended when the door burst open and there appeared a radiant vision in velvet and sables and of an audacious hat which only alison ives in one of her worldly fits could have invented nom de chien cried that young lady descending on mary and forcibly removing her drawing-board am i to stand by and see you become a british female artist you've got to come to tea a tea at home in portman square we're driving straight back mother's out there in the carriage come on i can't said mary i told you i couldn't i'm not going out and i ought to work for another hour the thing goes on in a day or two pooh said alison 
as she found the girl's hat and cloak and bundled her unceremoniously into the carriage the whole thing is a farce but i believe these schools are excellent things for for the kind of persons whom dear mary described so amusingly put in lady jane nonsense mother said alison you've never been inside one the whole thing is impossible schools of cooking and not schools of art are what we want shouted alison as they rattled over the stones you may leave your painter genius to find his way to the front whereas boiled potatoes are a daily necessity go and talk continued the girl with a smile about your stippled gladiators and laocoons in a serious french studio where they work why they would laugh in your face how nice it must be in paris said mary with a sigh a place where they disapproved of the laocoon as an exercise in art seemed to her to open out a vista of delightful possibilities End of chapter six